Well, hey there, we are starting into a brand new series this morning called Jesus's Prayer for Us. We've been tackling the subject matter of prayer for the last nine weeks. We just came out of a series called Teach Us to Pray. And I want to continue that same theme of prayer, but I want to take it uh, in a different direction. Okay, so we've been looking at Jesus teaching the disciples how to pray. But this week and throughout the next few weeks in this series, we're going to actually look at not how Jesus teaches us to pray, but Jesus actually in action praying for his disciples. This is actually the prayer that Jesus prayed for his disciples then and his disciples now. That's, that's you and me, Jesus praying for us. And this, we're going to look at John chapter 17, this incredibly rich passage of scripture. It's commonly referred to as the high priestly prayer. And that is the sermon title for today. We're going to talk a little bit more about what that actually means in a few minutes. But, you know, this prayer throughout the New Testament during the life of Jesus, we see Jesus often taking time alone with his father to pray but this, this prayer in John 17 is the longest recorded prayer of Jesus. And throughout the scriptures, Old Testament, New Testament, from cover to cover, we see some really great prayers prayed that we could go to and learn from. But this prayer, I would have to say, and I agree with all the biblical scholars that have come before me, that this has to be the greatest prayer in all of scripture. Uh, and again, there's some great prayers, but this one is so amazing. The reality is that no other prayer is prayed that quite so directly affects us. And again, this is Jesus praying for us. Th this was not just a one-time prayer, but this is a, 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 an ongoing, it reflects the ongoing intercession of Jesus for us. This is his ministry currently in heaven as he prays for and intercedes for us. In other words, no other prayer prayed for you. And maybe you had, had people in your life before, friends, pastors, teachers, parents, grandparents who have prayed for you. And you know those prayers are, are effective. But, but, but I would say this, no other prayer prayed for you or on your behalf should have had more of an impact on your life than this prayer. And no other, no other prayer has had or could potentially have as much impact on you or on our church, on us, as this prayer that Jesus prayed in John chapter 17. It's that significant to our lives, to our spiritual lives. This prayer that we're going we're gonna to examine over the next few weeks, this prayer brings understanding. It helps us to understand who, who God is, who Jesus is, what he came to do, what he has done for us. So this prayer brings understanding. This prayer also brings comfort to our struggles, to our everyday struggles in life to understand the, the things that Jesus talks about and prays and, and, and discusses with his Father should bring us comfort in our struggles. And this prayer also can bring significant purpose to our lives. 
if there's any part of you that is, is, is wondering or is unsure of your purpose and meaning in life, this prayer, what Jesus prays for you and for me, what Jesus prays for us, could bring us incredible purpose. And so I'm excited to look at John chapter 17. But before we do, let me, let me give us a little bit of context to, 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 to this passage and this prayer of Jesus when it comes in the life of Christ. So in the timeline of Jesus' life and all the events of his life leading up to his death on the cross, this prayer, the high priestly prayer, it comes before Jesus is betrayed and tried and eventually executed on the cross. And so this comes prior to that. Jesus is in conversation with his disciples and he's preparing them for what is to come. He's he's spent three years investing in them and now he is getting ready to go to the cross and he's getting ready to leave this earth and those disciples that he is so deeply invested in over the last few years. And he's preparing them for his departure. And he, 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 he's wanting to encourage them and, and give them a stiff you know, backbone as they get ready to face some incredibly tough experiences in their life. And so in John chapter 16, the passage clearly right before John 17, in the very, the, the very preceding verse, the very last verse of John 16, verse 33, right before Jesus begins to pray, Jesus is dialoguing with his disciples. And this is what he says. John 16, 33, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Now, this is an incredibly power-packed statement that that Jesus makes here. He, he, He says it, that I've said all these things, I've told you these things, so that in me you, you may have peace. Because here's a guarantee, in this world, you're gonna have tribulation. And that word tribulation, it's also translated in different places as suffering or trouble or trials and sorrows. So Jesus promises them in this world, you're going to have some affliction and some adversity, some trouble, some suffering. It is a a guaranteed reality. You're going to have tribulation in this life. But then he, he goes on to encourage them. He says, take heart, I have overcome the world. This tribulation, another way you could say tribulation is is a a pressing together or or this pressure, all right? This, This pressure, when this pressure comes upon you, Jesus is saying you will have this pressing in of the circumstances of life on you, this trouble, this difficulty. But I promise you this, that you can take heart, that you can have courage. Why? Because if you are in me, if you are in Christ, if you are rooted in a relationship with me, you can know this, I have overcome the world. 
I win in the end. We win in the end. That even though we go through adversity, even when life is pressing in on us, we can take courage. We can take heart because I have overcome. I've had victory over all of it. And so Jesus tells his disciples, take heart, I have overcome the world. And then he immediately, in John chapter 17, he goes to the Father and begins to pray. And specifically, as he, as he gets into the meat of this prayer, he, he is praying for his disciples. Then and now, he's praying for us that as he has overcome the world that we would be able to experience that same kind of victory, that we would have peace and that we would have courage and that we would have purpose in the tribulation that we face. So here is, here's the bottom line that I, I, I really, it's, it's a simple idea, but I want to make sure that we, we get this, that we grasp this this morning after everything is said and done. This is the bottom line. As life presses in on you, know that the one who's overcome the world is also praying for you. I just want you to think about that. I want that to be the thing that that after the sermon is done and this week goes on, Monday, Tuesday, through Friday, Saturday, that the thing that resonates with you is that when, when life presses in on us, which it does, frequently, often, in seasons and days, as life presses in on us, which it's guaranteed to do, know that the one who has overcome all of it, the one who has overcome the world, is actually in heaven praying for us, that we would experience victory too. Jesus' prayer for us, that's what we're going to look at through this this brief series in John chapter 17. So the simple plan for today is this. I want us to read this prayer, which is 26 verses long, okay? We're gonna spend um, probably most of our time just reading the prayer, and I'm not gonna say a lot about it. We're gonna dive into that over the next couple weeks, but I wanna answer two just kind of introductory questions um, about this this passage. And then what I wanna do is I wanna give you a little bit of, of homework. All right, I know a lot of you aren't excited to hear the word homework or to know that I'm going to give you an assignment. And of course, it's up to you. It's, it's uh, it, you know, whether you want to do it or not is, is absolutely up to you. But, but before we begin to dive into this passage, I want to give you an opportunity to dive into it personally and to discover some things. And then we'll unpack it together over the next few weeks. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to read John chapter 17, verses 1 to 26. And so I'd encourage you to open your Bible, to look at the scriptures, and to to listen and hear the words in the heart of Jesus as he prays this great prayer. So John chapter 17, starting in verse number one. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. 
I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled." But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled, now that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O oh, righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Wow, that, that was a long prayer, right? We see a lot of the same things and the same themes kind of repeated throughout this prayer. This isn't probably much different than some of our prayers, right? Do you ever feel like you're, you're repeating yourself or you're, you're circling back or it's, it's not this 
clear, linear, like progression of thoughts, kind of like the Lord's Prayer, right? Which was really systematic and very specific and, and detailed. And this, this kind of feels a little bit like Jesus was, was rambling, right? I mean, not, not that he, Jesus was not a rambling man. Is that a song? Sorry. Uh, this, is, this is kind of like this, our conversation. It's kind of like dialogue, right? It's Jesus, the Son, having a dialogue or a conversation, prayer, with his Father God. And so he kind of bounces back and forth and says and repeats some of the same things. And that's okay. This is, this is what prayer is all about. It's not about having a perfectly delineated line of reasoning and thought. It's about bringing your heart to God. It's about our presence and God's presence with us and this communication that takes place between us. But I want to ask and answer two brief questions to help us to think a little bit about this prayer that we've just read. It's going to take a little bit of time to digest some of this and to, to dive a little deeper over the next couple of weeks. But I want to answer two basic questions to set us up for what is to come. Number one, the question is this. Why is it called the high priestly prayer? Why do we call this prayer the high priestly prayer? And the reason why is because the idea of a high priest, this was a significant role, this was a significant individual in the Old Testament. Throughout the history of the nation of Israel, God's people, the high priest played a significant part in the life of God's people. Well, what was a high priest? What did a high priest do? A high priest was considered a mediator between God and, and man. In other words, a mediator is someone who goes between, that communicates, that, that uh, is, is kind of the middleman between God and man. Because man is sinful and because God is holy, we cannot come into his presence. His holiness it would burn us up. And so we need a, a mediator. We need someone to connect us to God. And so a high priest fulfilled that, that role. A high priest would offer gifts and sacrifices to God on our behalf to satisfy the justice of God. In other words, God wanted us to be able to come into his presence, but something had to be done uh, with our sin, with our unholiness and unrighteousness in order for us to come into his presence. And so God instituted this office of the high priest who was like us, a sinner, but, but God would put them in this role and have them do things to purify themselves and then to intercede for us, to mediate for us between God and man. This was the role of a high priest. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 1 kind of says this in much fewer words than I just did. Hebrews 5.1 says, For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. This was the role of a high priest, the middleman between God and man. And what we find as we, as we see Jesus, who is God in the flesh, the Son of God, who came to earth to, to become for us 
what we needed to satisfy the judgment of God. Jesus lived a perfect life. This is the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that Jesus lived the perfect life that we were meant to live but could not live because of our fallenness, because of our sin and brokenness. He lived the perfect, sinless life we were meant to live. And then he offered himself as a perfect sacrifice without spot or blemish. He offered himself as the perfect sacrifice on the cross, a sacrifice for our sins. And so much like a high priest would offer a, a lamb without blemish, it was a spotless lamb that was going to be the perfect sacrifice to atone for our sin. Jesus became, he was the lamb of God and he became, he was the lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice, the atonement for our sins. And so he laid his life down on the cross as a sacrifice for our sin to allow us, to make a way for us, for the judgment of God to be appeased so that we could come into God's presence. This is what Jesus did for us. He is our mediator, the one that comes between us and God, that allows us access to the Father. And so when we talk about knowing God, knowing the Father, Heavenly Father, God in heaven, the way that we know God is through Jesus. He is our mediator. That's why Jesus came along in John 14, verse 6, and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me or through me. He is our mediator, and yet he is himself God. And so Jesus is the, the ultimate high priest. If you look down further in, in Hebrews 5, 5 to 10, it says this about Jesus. So also Christ, who did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. So Father God appointed Jesus as a high priest. Verse six, as he also says in another place, you are a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers in supplications, with loud cries and tears, to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he be became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest, there's that phrase again, after the order of Melchizedek. And so what we see in Hebrews chapter 5, really throughout the book of Hebrews, is that Jesus was our high priest. He is the mediator, the one that offers gifts and sacrifice to, to appease the judgment of God. He himself was that gift and sacrifice. And he is the one who mediates between us and God. In fact, 1 Timothy 2, one of the best verses that you could memorize or, or, or Commit to, to heart, to memory, 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. And so no earthly man or woman, individual, no 
earthly activity or action or good deed. There's nothing that bridges the gap between us and God. There is one God and there is one mediator between God and man. And that is the man, Christ Jesus. He is our mediator. He is the one who makes a way for us to be in relationship with God. He is our high priest. He is the ultimate high priest. We don't need anybody else to intercede for us, to be the the go-between for us. Jesus Christ, the God-man, is the ultimate high priest. And as our high priest, Jesus intercedes for us. Jesus, who is now at the right hand of the throne of God, is constantly interceding for us. In fact, Hebrews 7, again, we're talking about this book of Hebrews that reveals Jesus as our high priest. It says in verse 23, the former priests, human priests, were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. Okay, so God instituted the office of high priest and these human men would fill that office, but they couldn't continue in that office because as every man does, they all died off, right? But here's the difference, verse 24. But he, speaking of Jesus, holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. He never dies. He has no beginning and no end. And so this office of priesthood that Jesus holds is a permanent office that he holds. Verse 25, consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. He, he always lives to make intercession for us. So there is never a moment that passes when Jesus is not in heaven at the right hand of God the Father, interceding to him for us. This is the current ministry of Jesus in heaven for us. Jesus is praying for you. I don't know about you. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know where your mind and your heart is right now. I don't know what you may be struggling with. But know this, that as life presses in on on you and on us, we can know that the one who has overcome the world is praying for you right now in this very moment. Man, that is good news, y'all. Amen. He is interceding for us. Romans 8, 34 says it as well. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Not that he did and not that he will. He did and he will, but he is interceding for us in this present moment. He is interceding for us. John 17, you know, in the, in the high priestly prayer, Jesus says, but now I'm coming to you, speaking to the Father, and he says, these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. So what Jesus was saying is, I'm saying all of these things out loud in the world, in this physical place right now. I'm saying these things 
so that, remember, he has just been with his disciples. And clearly, at least one or more of the disciples is, is hearing Jesus' prayer because they're recording his prayer in Scripture. And he says, I'm saying these things out loud in the world so that my disciples will know or will see, will understand what my ministry in heaven is going to be like. That I am, I'm, I'm saying these things so that now and so that always they can actually know that I am interceding for them and that in knowing these things, they would have my joy fulfilled in them. And so Jesus is praying for us. He is interceding for us. This prayer is, it represents Jesus's ministry of intercession for us now. And so he is our ultimate high priest interceding for us. And this is his high priestly prayer on our behalf as he intercedes for us. And so that's why we call this his high priestly prayer. It wasn't just some big religious activity that he performed as, you know, this, this formal high priest. No, this is his current, permanent, forever ministry that he is praying and interceding for you, for me, for us. So that's why we call it the high priestly prayer. Here's the second question that I want to answer before we kind of wrap up today. What is the purpose of this prayer? What's the purpose for this prayer? You know, as you consider and look through this prayer, there's a lot of ground that Jesus covers. He prays for a lot of things here. He, he kind of recounts both his, his, his work on earth, the things that he has done while he was here living on this planet. So he, he covers that. He also prays for us and talks about his hope for us in the future. So he covers his work in the past and he talks about his hope for us in the future. And he prays several things for us. He prays for our unity. He prays for our protection. He prays for our sanctification. And, but there's, there's really one primary focus that all of these are kind of built upon. There, there's one word or a variation of this one word that keeps popping up, keeps showing up throughout this prayer of Jesus. Did you catch it? I don't, I don't know if you, if you saw it. If you're watching this online, you have seen I highlighted a word or a variation over and over, and it's a variation of the word glory. Glory or glorified. You see Jesus repeat this idea over and over and over. And, and what we see is, is the purpose of this prayer uh, everything we see in John 17, really everything that we see from the first page of Scripture to the last and the story of God that he is writing, the, 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 the point and the purpose of all of it, the point and the purpose of our lives is this word. It's glory. It's to glorify God. The point of Jesus' life was to glorify his Father. The point of our lives is to glorify the Father through Jesus. And so we see this, this theme running throughout this, this passage. 
that, that God glorifies Jesus, that Jesus glorifies God, and that we in Christ glorify Jesus as he's in us, and in doing so we glorify the Father. And there's this, this idea, this theme, this purpose of glorifying God. That means that it's not about us. It's not about us being famous or us having power and us being known. It's about him being famous and him being known, him being glorified. That's what this prayer is about, glorifying God. That's what our lives are, are to be about, is to glorify God. That's what the story of God is all about. That in the end, God would receive the glory that he deserves. That's what all of creation and all of history is all about, y'all. The glory of God. This is the big picture theme of, of everything and of Jesus' prayer. There, there are these things called catechisms. You may have heard this, maybe if you have a a Catholic background in particular, but this isn't just a Catholic idea. It's the word catechism. Catechism just means uh, it, it was a way of teaching or, or, or learning. It involved asking a question and providing an answer. And so when you hear the word catechism, it's a way of learning, teaching through theology in, in particular, where a question is presented and an answer is provided. And so there was a number of catechisms used throughout uh, the, the centuries to help teach God's people the truth of God, theology, an understanding of, of God, who He is, and what He has created us for. One of those catechisms was called the Westminster Shorter Catechism. And, and the very first question and answer in that, that I want to share with you, and we'll talk more about catechisms as as we move forward, because I believe there's some value to them, and there's, there's some, some new catechisms that, that we can learn and use and, and can help root us in our faith. The very first question and answer of the Westminster Catechism, shorter catechism, was this. Question, what is the chief end of man? In other words, what is the purpose? What is the, at the end of the day, what is the, the purpose, the chief end of of man, of our lives, here's the answer. Based on scripture, here's the answer. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Our chief end, our purpose, when it's all said and done, the reason that we exist is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. And I love, I love this answer because sometimes we think to glorify God means that I, I just throw my life down and I, I spend all of my life just to make God look good at the expense of my own life and of my own enjoyment and pleasure. And sometimes when we, when we talk about Christianity, it feels that way, that it's all about duty and doing a lot of stuff and there's no pleasure, there's no enjoyment at all in it. And to be quite honest, there are a lot of, there are a lot of brands and offshoots or practices of, of, of religion and Christianity that is where this is exactly the case. 
In fact, some of you may have walked away from God or walked away from church because it was, it was boring and it, was, it felt meaningless and it felt like a bunch of duty and it just felt like there was no joy involved whatsoever. But that is not what we were created for. We were created to glorify God, but in glorifying God, we find our deepest, most lasting joy and pleasure. That we can seek joy and pleasure and enjoyment on our own, but it fades, it doesn't last. But true, lasting joy, what we were created for, is found in, in bringing glory to God. That, that God's glory and our joy aren't mutually exclusive, man. They, can, they coexist. They are meant to go hand in hand. And so man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Again, some of you walked away from church because there was no joy involved. Some of you, I believe, have come to friendship because you, you have experienced the fact that life is about more than just duty. It's about joy. And our joy is found in Christ and in glorifying God. That's why we say, along with Jesus in John, John chapter 10, verse 10, that we want to help people find full life. That means life that is full and joyful and overflowing and abundant. And so let me come back to our bottom line statement, which we said earlier, that as life presses in on you, know that the one who's overcome the world is also praying for you. As the pressures of life come in on you, as, as trouble and struggles come in on you and press in on you, that the one who's overcome the world is praying for you. He's, he's, in, he's interceding for you. That is what the high priestly prayer is all about. And the purpose behind all of it is our chief end, our purpose to glorify God. That's what this prayer is about. God's glory and our joy. He wants you to have peace and He wants you to have courage and He wants you to glorify God with your life. That's what this high priestly prayer is all about. And so we're going to talk about what all of this means and, and how, what it looks like, how we can glorify God. And I felt like it's important for us to talk about these things, to set up the high priestly prayer so that we can, we can understand and gain all that God has for us as we check it out. So before we do this, as we move into these next week, I want to give you a chance to, to do some discovery on your own. Instead of me just coming before you starting today and saying, here's what, what we need to learn and what we need to do and et cetera, et cetera. I want you to go on a journey this week. And, and, and maybe none of this is going to be new to you. Maybe it will be uh, a, a refresher course. Maybe it will um, be refreshing to be reminded of the things we see in this passage. Maybe for some of you, you're going to discover some brand new things. And that would be awesome. That's what I would hope for you. But I want to ask you to take some time to do some things on your own, to dig in a little bit and discover some things on your own before I begin preaching through and we see some of these things together.
And so here is, here is your assignment. Here is your mission should you choose to accept it. All right, here's, here's what I ask you to do between now and next Sunday. I want to ask you to read John chapter 17. Again, 26 verses. I want to ask you to read John 17 every day this week. Read John chapter 17 every single day this week. That's what I would ask you to do. And just read through it over and over. One time every single day. And, and, and just kind of soak in that a little bit. Uh, there, there's another option I want to give you that you could start either today or tomorrow, and this will be kind of on your own pace. There's a, a Bible reading plan in the Bible app that I want to recommend to you. It's an 11-day Bible reading plan, and it's called, What Does Jesus Pray for Us? And it's based off of John chapter 17. The first day, you're going to read through the whole, the whole chapter, and then you're going to listen to about a three, four, five-minute uh, kind of devotional. And on every following day, you're going to read one or two verses uh, back again in John chapter 17 and listen to a three to five-minute uh, devotional reading. And that's all it is through this week. But I want you to, to consider doing this Bible reading plan to further kind of cement um, or to help you to dig into what God is saying through this prayer. So read John 17 every day. Maybe if you want to do this Bible reading plan, you can do that. It's, it's linked in our uh, sermon notes on the Bible app. Um, but as you read through this, maybe you do this every day, think through this. Maybe you, you do it one time uh, more in depth, but ask some questions as you read through this passage. Ask some questions. Maybe you remember the four questions we've, we've talked about. Who is God? What has He done? Who am I? What do I do? Maybe you can ask those questions or, or some form of, of, of those questions like this. What do you learn about who God is or who Jesus is through this prayer? What do we see Jesus actually doing? What was the work that Jesus did while He was on this earth. He prays about it. He, he rehashes all the, the, the work that he did while he was on this earth. So discover those things as you work through it. In light of, of this, what does that mean for us? What does it mean for us? What is he actually praying for us? And how does that apply to us today? Again, he prayed this for his disciples then, but he was praying, you'll see later on in the prayer, he was praying this for those who would believe in him, who would be disciples in upcoming days. He's praying for us. And so how does the things he's praying for apply to us now in 2020? That is the assignment. Uh, nothing difficult, but it's gonna, it would require some work. Require you digging into John 17 every day and just meditating and asking some questions. Maybe you ask God, God, would you reveal yourself to me? Would you help me to learn? Would you help me to grow in this? Because I wanna, I wanna know what your desire is for my life and what you are actually praying for me right now. I just wanna ask you to do this this week if you would wanna grow and if you would want to actually chase after and follow after Christ. If you just want to come and listen and be kind of spoon-fed every week, 
we're here. We're gonna continue to be here. We're gonna continue doing what Paul said. We're feeding you milk. But if you would decide to try to dig in more and feed yourself and grow on your own, which was what God has intended for us, not just to consume, but to contribute and to feed ourselves and to grow on our own, to become spiritual young men and women and spiritual adults and spiritual fathers and mothers. If you want to go that route, take me up on this challenge and dig in and allow God to give you some discovery on your own, all right? But the big thing today is, is this. I just want us, I just want you to soak in the reality that the God who has overcome the world is for you and he's with you and he's interceding, he's praying for you. So would you take a minute today to thank God that he is interceding for you, that he's praying for you and would you take a minute to ask God to teach you and to grow you and to mold you through what he is praying for us, for you. And God, today, Lord Jesus, thank you that you are our mediator, that you lived the perfect life in order to lay your life down as a perfect sacrifice for us, for me, so that I could know your Father, that I could be one with you as you are one with him. And so, Lord, I pray for myself and I pray for your people, our church, God, that in these days to come, um, Lord, for, for every individual member of your church and for us as your people, God, would you help us, Lord, that our lives would would fall into line with, with your purpose for us, that our lives would glorify you. Lord, that is my desire, that his life continues to press in on all of us as we face tribulation in these last days in which we are living. Lord, that we would take comfort, we would find courage and find joy in knowing that you Jesus, the one who has overcome the world, that you are praying for us and that you are empowering us to live the kind of life of purpose that you've called us to live. And so God, help us to glorify you. For those who are listening today and who may listen throughout the series that do not know you, that have never come to you as their high priest, the one who has offered your life as a sacrifice for their sins so that they could know your Father, Lord, would you draw them to yourself? Would you help them to come to faith in Christ now, today, and in these days to come? Lord, use us. Help us to glorify you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.